0: What are we talking about fools oh.
1: Ooh.
0: oh, that was a recreation everybody this <laughs> happened just before this was recorded they sounded like the the aliens from Toy Story with the claw coming
1: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh well I don't want to spoil it before we do the intro
0: gacked out on whoop chicken <laughs> Oh, my gosh uh,
2: yeah it's well, kind of outside of our normal fare a, a little bit. Really yeah.
0: okay can I can I have a couple guesses or do we want to do our introduction first?
1: Uh, we'll do that but um, or you can guess, but also I think people will be gacked out
0: mm-hmm. <gasps> on whoop chicken Oh
1: <laughs> I guess this is one way to put it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. are we talking about are we talking about S- Stevie Nick's boofing? nope (laughs) nope are we talking about richard Pryor being set on fire no (laughs) Hmm. are we talking about kittens that choke people
1: no but i'll have to do a little research on that
0: (laughs) i don't think that that exists but that's fine
1: (laughs) uh well welcome down to the pendulum (laughs) i'm chris and together at last i'm with heather
2: Yay. I can see you. I can touch your fingers. Lucky. I'm
0: jealous. Stop touching Chris because I'm jealous. (laughs) Sorry.
1: (laughs) And, of course, Caitlin in Los Angeles, who we cannot touch.
2: No. I can touch with my heart,
1: though. Y'all are lucky
0: you can't touch me because you feel the heat out here. It's hot. It's getting hot, too.
1: (laughs) So, today we actually have a very special treat. Uh, we'll be telling two harrowing tales of creepy dudes.
0: That's so interesting. I was just listening to creepy stories about creepy dudes, like, all day. Oh, wow. It was, <laughs> called, it was called this podcast. You might know it, Heather or Chris, but it's a, what is it? Let's Not Meet Again?
2: Yes.
1: I have not heard of it.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Some of them familiar. are good.
0: Some of the, It's very hit or miss, but some it's... of them are, like, holy shit.
2: That's what I call spooky trash. I love it. It is spooky trash. I know.
0: I love. It. I like. My friend was like tapping me on the shoulder. She's like, "Kate is six. It's time to go." And I'm like, "Oh."
2: But my spooky trash. <laughs> my spooky
0: trash.
1: But I haven't finished my spooky trash. <laughs> See, like Kate's being a creepy dude. Oh
2: yeah,
0: I was hoping someone <laughs> mention that. Pig man. Pig man. <laughs> Why does no one love me? <laughs>
1: I try to share my schlop with them, but nobody wants to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't understand.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny because there's like a lot of different kinds of creepy dudes out there. There's, you know, mm-hmm. you have don't like-
0: we know it. Bar creeps.
1: <laughs> you have like your high powered creeps, you know, making like your Epsteins and your, your um, Harvey Weinsteins and- You know, shit like that. But we're going to be going a little further.
0: Regular guys. Yep. Those are extra creepy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so the guys that we'll be talking about today, we'll be talking about two of them. And they are, well, let's just say they go above and beyond.
2: Indeed they do. Uh oh. Indeed they do. (laughs) Famously creepy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Famously creepy. So. Yeah, uh, do you do you want me to go first, Heather? Do you want to go first, or
2: um, I, I'm, yeah, whatever you think. I was
0: just saying, I we could just walk out on the street right now and and interview a creepy <laughs> dude because there's like so many of them. <laughs>
2: We'd find one in like twenty seconds.
0: Twenty seconds flat.
2: I think yours is a bit more unsettling, so I'll go first. Uh,
1: okay, oh, Okay, right on. Shit. Actually, I I don't really know anything about yours, so actually, I'm kind of excited about this one. <laughs>
2: All right, well, today I'm going to talk about the Denver Spider-Man, a.k.a. the Moncrief Ghost.
1: Actually, and this I is... I
0: heard about this.
1: This is kind of funny because we're the two people we'll be covering is one's from Florida and then one's to Denver.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we just can't stay away from from our
2: home state, I know man. right
0: where no. we're most comfortable yeah we're drawn yeah.
2: to the weird apparently and then
0: like in Wisconsin people are eating each other and keeping body parts and stuff so <laughs> yeah
1: that's true Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so when we think of a home invasion it's usually something sudden and unexpected hopefully the unwanted guest has only come to take your things and not your life too but what if that home invader had been watching you for months from inside your own home. This is the story of Theodore Cones, aka the Denver Spider Man.
1: See, they gave him like a little too cute of a name.
2: I know
0: exactly. I was like, you gotta call him something else because I've heard way <laughs> too many of these stories, and it's never cute. No.
1: Did he did he shoot a lot of webs? If you catch my drift.
2: Uh. Ew. Well. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> So, it's October 17th, 1941. The location is 3335 West Moncrief Place in Denver, Colorado.
1: Wow, I didn't think it was that far back.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's way earlier than I thought. Yeah. So, Jenny Ross went to check in on her 73-year-old neighbor, Philip Peters. He had been living alone in his house for a short time, as his wife was recovering at St. Anthony's Hospital after she had fractured her hip in a bad fall. Jenny was one of his kindly neighbors who made sure to check in on him daily. The neighbors had band together to help Philip in his wife's absence by inviting him over to their homes for meals and helping him with really anything else he might need around the house. However, Philip was nowhere to be found that evening. Jenny was concerned for his well-being, as he hadn't been seen in time for dinner that night, and he wasn't answering the door. Also, all the lights in the house were off and that was very strange. After some concerned conversation, some of Philip's neighbors made their way into the house by removing a screen and entering through a window. A neighbor girl entered the house, and she was heard screaming by the neighbors gathered outside when she had discovered the grisly scene inside. There was blood in the kitchen, and upon further investigation, Philip's body was found lying on the floor near his bed. He looked really rough. And when police arrived, it was determined that Philip had died of blunt force trauma. How Mm. rough did he look? Really fucking rough. (laughs) That's about
0: as rough as it gets aside from a shotgun.
2: Yeah, right? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) So detectives found that Philip had defensive wounds to one of his arms and there were obvious signs of an intense struggle. Philip had no enemies, and because of this, there were no known suspects. He was recognized as a kind man who would help others as much as he could, and investigators speculated that this may have been a robbery gone wrong. It was strange, though, because all the windows and doors had been locked from the inside, and there were no signs of forced entry, besides that of the neighbors who had discovered Philip. Eventually, his wife Helen Phillips returned to the house after her injury had healed. It was in the house they had shared for over 40 years, and now the house where her husband was murdered. Helen couldn't do much around the house for herself as she recovered, and unfortunately, she ended up in the hospital again shortly after when she re-injured her hip.
1: Mm-hmm. What in the is she meantime- doing? God.
2: <laughs> well, she's in her 70s, so. Oh, yeah. You know, probably not a, a whole lot would uh, trigger that injury. Yeah. So in the meantime, the police decided to keep an eye on the house. After her second stay in the hospital, it was clear that Helen required caretakers. But she couldn't keep anyone around to help her for long, as strange things were happening around the house. Oh no. It was rumored amongst the caretakers that the place was haunted. There were constant odd noises around the house, food would turn up missing, and random things would be noticeably out of their places. After a particularly frightening incident one night when one of these caretakers witnessed a strange occurrence, the police were called. This caretaker reported to the Denver Post quote, "Just a few minutes ago, I heard a sort of tapping. I had heard it before, but I thought it was only some woodpeckers. But this time I walked into the kitchen, and I saw the door to the stairway that leads upstairs slowly open. Oh, a foot yeah. came out, and then I saw a thin white hand on the door. I scrambled, and the man ducked back into the stairway and I heard him running up the steps. Despite the police being called that evening, they could find no evidence of anyone having been in the house. The police determined it must be just a bit of superstition, but the caretaker knew that the Moncrief ghost must be real. After her departure, a neighbor took the woman's place, but she also began to have similar experiences, citing the ghost for herself. After this new sighting of the evil spirit who haunted the Phillips house, Helen's son insisted that she go to live with him, and the house was left empty. Now, because there had been numerous reports and rumors surrounding 3335 Moncrief Place, now dubbed the Denver Ghost House, suspicions were raised among law enforcement, and as the house sat vacant, they continued to surveil the property for the next few months. Reports of strange activity continued to come through from the neighbors. Finally, in July 1942, police went to do a routine checkup on the home after even more reports of odd activity. As two officers were checking in at the property, they saw a curtain moving in one of the windows and decided to go into the house and investigate. The house had been vacant for months at this point, but when they entered, they heard the click of a latch upstairs and ran towards the sound to find out what it was. As they searched the house, they opened a closet door in time to see a pair of legs ascending into the ceiling through an opening to the top floor. God, this is so scary. Yeah,
1: dude. The the <laughs> whole like this. leg and hand thing earlier. Do that uh, creepy. No no
0: no.
1: <laughs> I know I keep seeing you like checking your like well, listening for something. There's these
0: horrible parrots that make the worst noise and the way it was like metabolizing through my headphones. <laughs> It really sounded so fucked up while you guys were saying that and I'm like what's going on yeah. I was like are you, sh-
1: are you sure they aren't two guys dressed as parrots? Two creepy guys dressed as parrots?
0: Dude, it just sounded like it just sounded Top. like the most bizarre music and I'm like, where is this coming from? Oh my god. <laughs>
1: Are they singing the Gremlins theme song?
0: Dude, I don't know, but I was getting really scared there for a minute. I was getting really scared there for a minute. If you guys weren't watching, I may have cried. Oh. This
1: is fucking freaky, man. Oh, my God. It is creepy as fuck. It's it's really creepy.
2: So Detective Roy Bloxham pulled on the legs and brought the figure down Mm. to the ground before them. The officers could hardly believe the state of the emaciated man that lay there.
0: I wouldn't have gotten away from it, too, if it were for you meddling coppers.
2: (laughs) Old man
1: Madonna, (laughs) bruh.
2: Police Chief Childers recounted of the man... Of the man... Of the man. Police (laughs) Chief Childers recounted of the man, quote, He was the strangest-looking human I had ever seen. He was a tall man, just under six feet, but thin as a wilted weed. His dirty hair hung low over his ears, and his skin was the ugly, unwashed gray of an overcast sky. When police searched above the Peter's second-floor bedroom, they found an attic space that was 27 inches high and 57 inches wide. They remarked it was not much bigger than that of a coffin. In the space, investigators found a bed made of ripped blankets and newspaper. Empty cans and receptacles of waste were strewn about, and the smell was unbearably overpowering. Oh. Officer Fred Zarno even vomited from the stench and said of the situation, quote, a man would have to be a spider to stand it up there long. Oh, it was-
0: Spider-Man didn't exist yet.
1: <laughs> so he's the OG Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, He's literally a disgusting Spider-Man, yes.
1: So is that is that where they got the, the name for the superhero?
0: Uh,
1: I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure what Peter Parker's doing in that fucking little tiny
2: apartment. That's very I, true. Yeah,
0: he's he's not uh, as brown reclusey kind of thing.
2: It's pretty sus. <laughs> as the kids say. <laughs> do they What's say that anymore?
0: What do the kids say?
2: It, he was sus.
0: What's sus?
2: Suspect.
0: <laughs> oh, I hear you're not allowed to use that crying happy face emoji anymore <laughs> and my pants are too tight <laughs>
2: <Nah>.
0: <laughs> side parts forget about it <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was apparent that he had been living up there for quite a long time so upon interrogating the man it was revealed that his name was Theodore Edward Conies, a 59 year old homeless man who had been squatting in the Peters house Conies spilled his life story after having a chance to clean up and eat a hot meal at the station. Theodore Cony's had suffered poor health as a child, and doctors predicted that he would likely not live past the age of 18. Because of this, Conies stayed indoors for most of his childhood, where he would spend his time practicing the mandolin. The rest of his life had not been much better.
1: Because he was playing the mandolin? <laughs>
0: <laughs> man that's a pretty cheerful instrument i'm so surprised conies
2: <laughs> conies revealed that he actually knew philip peters before the murder having met him as a 17 year old boy when he had moved from illinois to denver around 1910 with his mother the two men had met at the denver guitar club after numerous failed job attempts and failure at making a life for himself possibly having to do with his poor health and frail condition He had lived 20 years as a drifter during the Depression. After this hard life on the streets, he found himself back in Denver in 1941. Having remembered Peters as a very kind man and a good friend from his past, Coney's decided he would take a chance to go back to Philip's house and try to ask him for help. But his plans changed when an unexpected opportunity arose. From Coney, quote, I was in the neighborhood in September 1941 and found the house unlocked and no one home. I went in and stole some food. I was in bad shape, my lungs were giving me a lot of trouble, and I was at the end of my rope. Fall was coming on, and I couldn't face another winter on the road. I had to have a place to stay. Mm. I didn't know Mrs. Peters was in the hospital. I found the hole in the closet, climbed through, and slept and slept. Whenever I heard him downstairs, I kept real still. Then I got bolder and used to shadow him from room to room. It was sort of a game. It gave me a thrill. It was the first time in my life I'd ever had anyone at my mercy. But I didn't want to hurt him. It was miserable hot in the summer, and my feet froze in the dead of winter in that attic. But it was all part of the price I was willing to pay. I can't tell you why I stuck it out, I guess it was mostly because it was a world of all my own. I used to go down and look out the windows and watch the postman come by. Nobody's written me in 25 years. Whenever I saw people on the street, I hated them and would go back to my attic. End quote.
0: Ugh. Whoa. That is so... Duh!
1: It goes from like, you know, sympathetic to like super creepy real like 60 oh seconds man. My, my god
0: yeah so hard to exist as a human like feeling empathetic for so many yeah ugh so sad yeah I, I know, know cause
1: on the one hand right like you understand where he's coming from you know it's like you're homeless winter in, in Colorado you yeah. know it's you know like I, I mean the desperation kind of kicks in but then it becomes like
2: I kinda I'm became following a shadow. around the fucking house yeah. <laughs>
0: well and it's also just like you you just you always go back to mental illness and just absolutely no resources for this guy there yeah there's definitely a hint
1: of of that I think
0: yeah and like oh no resources for so many people for so long it's just like oh
2: it's heartbreaking yeah I
1: used to leave little spider webs for him everywhere
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really sad yeah so rather than remaining homeless he decided to post up there for as long as he could and snuck out only at night when he heard the sounds of Philip Peters snoring. Coney's had actually lived up there for a total of 10 months by the time the police caught him. Wow. Coney's can Yeah, isn't that crazy? Coney's confessed what happened that fateful night after approximately five weeks living in that attic space of the Phillips home. From Coney's confession, quote, Everything would have been all right, and Phil Peters would still have been alive today if he hadn't caught me robbing the icebox. It was him or me. I thought he had gone out, but he was taking a nap. I hit him with the stove shaker when he tried to run for help. I don't know if he recognized me, it was nearly thirty years since he had seen me last. When it was over, I ran to the attic after I washed and dried the shaker. I was sitting on the trap door when you were pounding on it from below that night. You found him. End quote.
0: Why didn't he just go get arrested? And then four hots, three hots, in a cot. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Dude, he's got his—he's got his own little world. He's got his own little spidey world. I'm sure know? he's
0: been to jail already <clears throat> too, and he's yeah. like, I don't want to go back to jail. Y- yeah, of
1: I'm really. sure. Ugh. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I think. And I don't know if this is true, but I feel like jails were probably a bit different during that time. Mm. You know, no, cause totally. Because if this happened in the early 40s, yeah. you know, it, he probably would have been in the jail in his 20s, in the 20s, 30s, and yeah. that probably yeah. would have been pretty hellish, depending on where he was.
0: Yeah, sure. it makes me think of, like, Carl Panzram and, like, um, Char- Charlie Manson, just like a culmination of, like, what it must have been like during those times. Oh,
1: sure, sure, yeah.
0: Yeah. To be in prison or anything like that. Yeah,
2: it was not great, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, Cony's had struck the poor man 37 times and oh. fractured his skull 12 times.
1: Man, Rather, see, that, it, that goes a little beyond like trying right? to knock somebody out, which is like, yeah. I don't know. It's little... just,
0: it sounds like the 25, 30 years of feeling like nothing, like coming out and, you know, one act. And yeah. it's like you get to choose if that's an act of, like, kindness and change or, you know, violence. It's so mm-hmm. sad. It's it's a
2: tragic story, honestly. I yeah, mean, I, it really is. It sucks. I feel bad for him, but it? Yeah. Jesus, come on, man.
1: Spider-Man <laughs> spider can. <Aww.
0: laughs> Maybe he can play it on his mandolin for us. <laughs> or or the or the guitar no
2: oh <laughs> no. <laughs> so rather than running connie's returned to his hiding space and he continued to live there for several more months while helen was absent from the house food was scarce and he neared starvation resorting to eating cornmeal and drinking snowmelt in the winter months ugh yeah he told police that he had chosen to stay up there for fear of being caught on the street and being identified as the murderer by his fingerprints, which he knew had been left all over the house. Well, his trial was held in October of 1942. In court, he said he never planned to rob and kill Peters, but that it was a snap decision when he had been found out and he attacked his old friend out of fear. But on Halloween of 1942, it took the jury only 90 minutes to convict him of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life. He said of his sentencing, quote, Now I feel safe. I'll have a better home than I have had in years.
0: Oh my god, so it turned out to be better for him anyway. Yeah, I guess Dang. so. Man. You know,
1: I don't want to sound like more of a jerk, but um, killing him was like the best thing I ever did.
0: <laughs> well, I, I wish he had killed like a rapist in the middle of like or like somebody doing a crime that or like molesting a child or something like God.
2: Yeah, I mean, that'd be ideal, right? <laughs> yeah. Dang. So Coney's lived out the rest of his days in the Colorado State Penitentiary, leading a quiet and uneventful life in prison. He died at the age of 85 in 1967. Ooh.
0: Good Lord. I think about that all the time. Like when people, you know, get cancer or whatever, like smoke and like diet, like 50 or whatever. Yeah. But like some people live the worst conditions and they still live so long.
2: Yeah. And they told him he wouldn't live to be 18 and he, he outlived a good amount of people. Yeah. Like, especially wild. back then. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, 80s. That's yeah. That's yeah. nuts, man.
2: Mid 80s. So yeah, that was the story of uh Theodore Cony's
1: You know, yeah. it it's such an interesting story because it like it, it gives you conflicting feelings a little bit. It does you know, really
0: conflicting, deeply conflicting.
1: Yeah, because you you really you know you you do feel for him, but then there is like you know, I mean, obviously he. he killed somebody in cold blood and
0: old
2: them to death
1: yeah yeah
0: that was kind of a spineless slimy thing to do well and
1: and he well yeah he had had chances to
2: go about it the right way
1: yeah exactly like and uh yeah and he just chose not to and and it's hard to say whether he was actually mentally ill or if um just a weird weird guy i don't know
0: it's, it's really too bad well it wouldn't have given him life in prison but he would have gone to prison if they did and the guy would still be alive if he just, like, didn't kill
2: him, you know? Yeah, if he did what he planned to do at the beginning, which yeah. was, like, approach him, his... ask him for help, and a meal, you know, yeah. that's... He, his plan was, uh, so he says, to, to yeah, approach that him face-to-face. Very, very face good to face. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
1: this, the, this is his explanation, his words, so we have to maybe be, like, a little skeptical of that.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I
1: mean... I, I don't know. Like, it seems like the evidence of him being like incredibly emaciated and like, um, you know, yeah, and having obviously lived up there for months, and you know, like, there's, I don't know, that's it's it's definitely weird. Like, basically starving to death for no reason in an attic.
2: Yeah, you know. Yeah, I it's it's really uh, a yeah. lot of it doesn't make sense. I feel like
0: a sense of worthlessness and invisibility to people really does stuff to your brain Yeah, like it really changes like your logic and like normal thinking like especially 20 years of it oh man
1: yeah man it's I mean you know people are just like like some people can live and be hermits I think like it takes a special kind of person but I mean like I think humans are and I think it bears out too in like in our studies of like human evolution and biology but like you know, humans are social creatures, you know, like we we've, mm-hmm. we've been in groups for hundreds of thousands of years and still remain in in groups. Yeah. Um you know, so yeah, I I I do think it could do something very very weird to you being isolated for yeah. for decades and decades, you know.
2: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: 100%. Like your your view or your your you know, like like being cognizant of human morality or like ethics could be make you completely detached you know being decades without like proper human contact
2: yeah definitely
1: yeah man yeah that's crazy I I had never heard that story
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I saw it on one of those spooky trash videos and I was just fascinated with it I know someone had
0: told me about it in Denver a long time ago I don't remember who did but someone
2: did yeah and I looked on Zillow, and that house is worth, like, over a million dollars. Oh, of of course, course it is. is.
0: Oh, because it's in Denver, and it's yeah, probably beautiful. Yeah, it's, yeah. On- yeah it's like an old place. Now that is a creepy dude.
1: <laughs> well, if you thought that was creepy.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I so, wish I could. Ugh. I, I, actually, my feelings. I, I
1: think all three of us already kind of know this story. So oh, yeah. I'll be giving a little more detail, maybe some stuff that like you guys didn't know before because there were a couple I things I didn't know. So I'm going to be talking about Carl Tanzler, or also known as Carl Von Kozel. I don't know if it's Kozel or Kozel. Hmm. Kozel. We'll just say Kozel.
2: Potato, potato. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Do you remember who this is, Kate?
0: I don't, but I'm sure oh. once I hear about these crimes, yep. I will.
1: It's going it, to, it'll, it'll click in your head here. So, if we could characterize the story of Carl Tanzler into one word, it would be obsession. This story has been covered many times, but we thought we would give it a go and do our little under-the-pendulum style version of it, Um, as it is definitely one of the creepiest stories out there. And Carl Tanzler has gone down in history as one of the creepiest guys ever to walk the earth, but not everyone feels that way, which we'll get to later. I don't want to ruin the many surprises coming your way, um, if you have not heard of him, so love does crazy things to us, and we often say that there is not enough love in the world. But this story is an example of love gone too far. My sources are going to be an um, article, Carl Tanzler's Obsession with Elena de Hoyos. Um, oh, went, fuck. It went way too far beyond death by Jacob Shelton from uh, HistoryDaily.org. Episode 610 of this American Life podcast. Uh fucking great love that podcast. And yeah. uh, the show Autopsy Six, Secrets of the Dead. From nice. nineteen
0: ninety nine. Oh <laughs> my god, I watched the shit out of that. I loved yeah, that Yeah, That was a great
1: HBO show, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. So
1: let's get into it. Carl Tansler emigrated from Germany to America in nineteen twenty six with his wife and two daughters. They moved to Zephyr Hills, Florida. In 1927, Tansler left his family behind and moved to Key West to work as a radiology technician in the U.S. Marine Hospital, changing his name to Carl Von Kozel. And Tanzler would go by many names during his life and tell people that he was a count or a former submarine captain and an inventor. Uh, he also claimed to hold several degrees in chemistry, philosophy and physics, uh, none of which has ever been verified.
2: Yeah, one of those guys. Wow.
1: Hmm. And it seems that Tansler was also unhinged and may have been influenced by a, a variety of delusions. So for instance, he claimed that one of his ancestors, Countess Anna Constanzia von Kozel, I don't know if I got that right, which was actually not one of his ancestors, <laughs> but she would come to him in visions and show him the face of his true love. And the oh face boy. was a, of a dark haired woman. So this vision could be said to be the catalyst for everything that comes next.
2: Mm, boy. So
1: Carl was a mysterious man. Many said that he kept to himself most of the time. That is until Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos came into his life. And I'm sorry to all the Spanish speakers out there. It was not good. <laughs> but you've come to expect that from us.
2: Yeah, that's
0: what we do. Hambra, No hablo <laughs> anglas. <English. laughs>
1: So Elena or Helen was a young Cuban American woman who lived in Key West. Her family brought her to the hospital to be examined. Helen was known as a local beauty, and from photos of her, this was accurate. She was quite um, she was quite a hottie. Yeah, she was very good looking.
0: Hottie. Mm-hmm.
1: So when Tansler saw this beautiful dark haired woman in the hospital. He fell in love with her immediately, seeing
2: her hacking up
0: blood (laughs) and (laughs) stuff.
2: Well, kind of. He was the one with spider webs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, he he saw her as the manifestation of his visions, right?
0: Well, she had spider webs of fucking bloody mucus coming out. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. Probably not too far from the truth. Um, Yeah. You know, Tansler began examining her all while being entranced by her beauty.
2: Quote, unquote. Air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Examining.
0: (laughs) I was just examined yesterday at work and it creeped me out.
1: (laughs) So he said said himself in his memoir, which I really want to get this book. There's a book of his memoirs. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah. Um, That he wanted to do nothing to disfigure her beauty in any way even taking blood from her fingertip rather, the front, rather than from the ear, as he normally did, all in order to not taint her loveliness.
0: You didn't, like, mention the conversation where he kept being like, can I take it from here? And he, like, points to her butt, and she's like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you can take it from here? No, 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 no. Uh, 30 minutes later, all right, I'll take it from the fingertip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
1: So after examining her, she was diagnosed with tuberculosis.
0: Can I take blood from that big, high knee?
1: (laughs) There's enough blood in there.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry right when you mention her tuberculosis. It's terrible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So obviously during that time, TB was incredibly deadly as there was no cure. So it was Mm -hmm. often a death sentence for many. Oh yeah. So in a panic to save the love of his life, though uh, Elena did not know his feelings just yet, he began treating her in his own capacity. Mm -hmm. He tried treating her with radiation treatments at the hospital, but when that proved unfruitful, he tried other methods at her home. He tried tonics, elixirs, x-ray machines, and other electrical equipment that he created himself to save her. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: He threw as, grapes and snakes at her and that did yeah. nothing. <laughs>
1: so as Ben Harrison tells on this American life and uh, Ben Harrison wrote a book um, about Tansler. Tansler used a machine that quote looked like a big globe and had sparks inside and he put electrodes on her chest and they would shock her. He claimed that this put thousands of neutrons <laughs> neutrons in the air billions of neutrons in the air and that mm-hmm. these were going to help cure her, unquote. Okay. <laughs> Neutrons.
0: And these poor people trons. are like crying over their daughter and he, she, they're just like, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> it's what bodies crave. I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's what bodies crave. You look like you're hurting
2: her. Nah.
0: <laughs> nah.
1: <laughs> so, see the w- hiney. Yeah.
0: Boop her over. Let me see the hiney. I got a couple globes
1: to put over those. (laughs) (laughs) So while he's treating her, he also becomes more forceful with his feelings. He showered her with gifts and then he couldn't keep his silence anymore. He professed his love to her. Elena was a married woman whose husband left her after her illness got worse. But there is like no evidence that her feelings were ever (sighs) reciprocated or that his feelings were ever reciprocated. Yeah. Um. actually Elena's sister was quoted uh, in an interview with the Miami Herald after the incident that she is saying quote she never loved him she was only nice to him because my mother told him she should be kind to those who were kind to her she looked upon von Kozel as a grandfather and when he proposed marriage she always told him you're too old why you are old enough to be my grandfather what's more I do not love you he became so persistent that we asked him to stay away from the house.
2: <laughs> this is so cringe. Oh my God, <laughs> yikes!
1: So Tansler could do nothing to stop the inevitable, and Elena died on October twenty
2: fifth, nineteen thirty one. I I assume that he accelerated the process. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it.
1: Maybe just a little bit. It's hard. To, it's hard to say. <laughs> That's you know.
0: crazy, Heather. You're right. <laughs> so like stressing her out fucking electro shocking her yeah what like radiation radiation? Yeah. yeah
1: so in his memoirs he writes about that day quote i went down to my knees before the bed elena's jaw had dropped but her eyes were bright and clear they had a faraway look and as i gazed into those beloved eyes they seemed to become deeper and deeper like wells uh-huh. Which, with magnetic power, drew me in, I could not tear my eyes away from her, I could look forever, my poor darling Elena Unquote.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God,
1: <laughs> just one
0: more time, <laughs>
1: <laughs> one last pinch, my darling,
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, oh. <laughs> I know.
1: So Tansler paid for the funeral, and they buried her in the Key West Cemetery. Aww. He visited the grave every day.
2: <laughs> I'll bet he did. <laughs> At yeah. some
1: point, he became yeah. paranoid that rainwater would seep into the casket, and with the approval of her family, had the casket disinterred to begin work on building a mausole- mausoleum. So at point, at some point during this, he <laughs> talked to one of the cemetery workers and frantically told them that he needed to rebed the body. He was upset because she was decomposing and believed that the mortician ignored his instructions in her embalming, blaming him for the natural progression of decay. Essentially,
2: she's dead, bro. That's what happens. Florida, ben... no less.
1: <laughs> yeah, Florida. Can you like
0: imagine like? <sighs> still finding an attract like a deep attraction to someone who's like bloating and rotting and like all of yeah. that like no nah.
2: the delusion yeah. is strong with this one
0: yes
1: as uh, as ben harrison writes quote and so he puts new cloth on it and cleans up the casket and he takes off the dress she was buried in because it's <laughs> rotted and replaces it with cloth and i think he puts some new felt underneath her he loved her that much unquote <laughs>
0: Oh my
2: God, so I bet he loved
0: taking that dress off. And like he's fucking.
2: She's at the point where her dress is rotting.
0: That's gnarly. Okay. I bet like a, just, a whole booby just, just like checking. slid off like a goddamn egg. <laughs> <laughs> and he's all like putting it back and stuff. Like, oh, I oh, it. There you go. <laughs> the
1: Gonna duck. need that. Gonna need that later.
0: He brought the duct tape. Oh. <laughs> <sighs>
1: So the mausoleum was finally completed and Tanzler encased her casket in another bigger one to protect it even further. So now it's a casket in another bigger casket thing inside a mausoleum.
0: Pimp your casket. Yeah, that's what I was well, thinking.
1: And what the family didn't know <laughs> was he was the only one with the keys to the mausoleum. Yep. So his mental state began to uh, disintegrate and his delusions became more apparent as it's began. said that he put valves... On the caskets so that he could speak to her through the (laughs) valves.
0: Oh, he should have also put like the Jimmy John's, like free smells, like neon thing (laughs) in there for himself.
2: Oh, God.
0: I just put that in in there for myself for a little chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, he, you know, he did that because he didn't want to believe that she was truly dead and that she could reanimate at any moment. So he would speak to her, and Tansler mm-hmm. said that she spoke back. And this is from oh, Tansler. I bet Quote, she did. Ever since the moon began to wane, Elena had begun to sing in her casket with a very soft, clear voice, which became just a little stronger from night to night. It was always the same old Spanish song about a lover who opens the grave of his dead bride. I could distinctly hear and understand every word. Unquote.
2: Oh. Oh my god.
1: So Tansler claims that she began asking him to take her home with him. And being mm. a loyal servant to love, he made a plan to do just that.
0: He said, like, uh, "I will get the biggest best doggy bag <laughs> and I will take you home. I will get the leftovers."
1: <laughs> I mean, she's she's still intact for the most part.
0: Barely. Yeah, he made he made sure of that, huh?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh,
0: how long has she been dead
2: now? Do we know?
1: um I'd have to look at the dates again um a while a little bit I mean I mean you, if know. you build
2: building a whole ass mausoleum and and yeah True, it's gonna be yeah, a while it's a while
1: yeah that's I mean while. at least a few months you know yeah oh, I'm sorry actually I think I think two years actually Ooh. if I'm not mistaken sorry uh, i I, I have to look back at the dates
2: yeah.
0: oh you're right oh my god that's similar to New Orleans where they just turn yeah. in mush
2: girl ain't gonna dry out
0: no she's just juicy
1: so during a new moon he towed a wagon to her grave loaded her up and took her home with him he then began the laborious task of repairing the damage of decomposition he started on her face which he used a gauze like material saturated in plaster of Paris and wax to remold her face some sources say that he used piano wire to hold the bones together I remember that detail and place glass eyes into her masks to replace the de- the decayed remnants. He also would place gauze and other cloth to fill in the cavities that were collapsing, so that she would retain her shape. He dressed mm. her and placed her in his bed.
0: He's like in his mind, she's still like so sexy and shapely, but she's like a fucking bag of nickels at this point, <laughs> just like just gnarly. Yeah. So
1: Tansler had visited the grave every day for two years, and then suddenly he stopped. He also had lost his job around that time and stopped speaking with the Hoyos. They were perplexed by his sudden absence, but didn't pry into it too much.
0: Yeah. He's just moving on, you know? <laughs>
1: for the next seven years, Tansler would play what equates to a morbid game of house, doing all the domestic things that a husband and wife would do. He had meals with her, talked to her, danced with her, celebrated holidays, and most disturbing, even inserted a tube-like apparatus so he could make love to her.
0: You know, I think I was like something like 12 years old or 11 years old the first time I heard this story. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah, I was pretty young.
0: gross. Where's this movie, though? That's what I want to know.
2: I, yeah i who's gonna touch this <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah i mean they've done similar things but never yeah. this one
1: should we get sam raimi to oh dude <laughs> totally
0: if this is made right a uh, period piece like rose like what? It,
1: that would be really just yeah actually it would be a pretty good movie if it was mm. done right yeah. yeah yeah that'd be fuck it's freaky Mm-hmm. So Tanzler also experimented on Elena's corpse, trying to bring her back to life. I think he kept trying to blast it with like radiation and stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So rumors began circulating around the town. People had seen strange things around Tansler's home and in his actions. He bought things for a woman, though no one ever saw him with one out in public. And it's said that someone saw him dancing with what looked like a life-size doll through his window. These rumors reached the Hoyos, who were familiar with the depths of Tansler's obsession. Wanting to find out once and for all, Elena's sister Nana confronted Tansler and asked him to open the crypt so she could see her sister's body for herself. Tansler refused. Awkward. Nana needed yeah. to know, so she showed up at his home. And here is the scene described by Ben Harrison again. Quote, she walks in and sees this effigy this elena in a sort of wedding gauze wedding thing lying on a bed i mean as she described it it was the most horrific thing she'd ever seen in her life yeah no but kidding. as upset as she was she said if you will take the body back and put it in there we'll just let this go Unquote. well
0: that's nice
1: but Tansler did not take the body back <laughs>
2: I'm shocked. Are you talking about. Dude, they gave him an
1: out. They gave him an out.
2: That's my wife. You are talking (laughs) about my wife.
1: (laughs) So Nana contacted the police, obviously, and he was immediately arrested after confessing. And
0: he's like holding her ears and stuff. He's like, don't listen to them. (laughs) You're most my
1: love. Yes. So, what seems even more strange? than the necrophilia and grave robbing is the community's <laughs> reaction. Rather than be appalled, many were sympathetic to Tansler. People brought him gifts, sang to him in his cell, gave him money, posted his bond, and one lawyer even took up his case free of charge. What in
2: it the white, hell? It seems
1: people found something romantic in Tanzler's actions. What, Ma- macabre, but romantic.
0: Do you think people also did it because he was really great with the community or like really charitable?
1: No, I think I think there was something more morbidly romantic to them.
0: You know, I I would say nine times out of ten. Yeah, exactly. Nine times out of ten. I would say that the Internet and entertainment has like ruined our culture. But this guy really could have used that. Just just something. Yep. You know. Something else. If you're Canceled. gonna cancel somebody <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> cancel Tansler. That's all I'm gonna say. No,
0: no, 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 that's not what I mean at all. He just oh, needed okay. to like watch something to distract oh, him. Like or, he like oh, he needed some like okay. outlet, to do. like some other
2: like way to I don't know. Just mm. he seems pretty far gone, but perhaps.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, who I knows? Know. Who knows wonder. what who knows what um Port Hub would have done for him. <laughs>
2: Exactly, exactly. Like hello.
0: <laughs> Chat rooms, anything.
1: Well, you know, and people initially might have felt this way because a lot of most people did not know about the sexual intercourse at the time, Yeah, which may or may not have changed their perceptions. <laughs>
0: that probably would have changed it. I mean, these <laughs> yeah. were what, Victorian ass people? No, this I, is the dude, 40s. I
1: don't know, man. Was, I,
0: was this the 20s? This
1: would have been the 30s when this Ooh, happened. the 30s. Or, w- yeah. when, when he got caught. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. Girl. It's like Girls were barely allowed to show any knees like Sexual intercourse with a corpse?
2: Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah that that was divulged, I think, a few decades later.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they tried to keep that shit under wraps well, for as well, long as possible. But if you
1: think that would have changed anything, hold on a I, minute.
2: Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> so
1: the the charges were dropped, and Tansler was not found insane, even after he testified that he could still bring her back to life under the right circumstances. Okay. And the funeral home took possession of Elena's body and displayed it for a short time. Mm-hmm. What may be one of the strangest legacies of this entire story is that, it's still romantic- that it still romanticizes Tanzler's obsession. No. Many newspapers commented on how well he preserved her <sighs> and with what care he attended her.
2: Yes. Yes, they did. I remember that part of this story. Like, what There's, the fuck?
1: There are still um, tour guides who sort of recount the story in a sort of romantic fashion.
0: Yeah, well, if the last couple years or decade has done anything for us, we we definitely know how crazy people are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like some people thought, like, was it wrong? Maybe. But it was an act of love but deeper was- than oh rationality.
0: Oh people, <laughs> oh like, God. siding with fucking monsters and stuff like that, like, all yep. the time publicly. Oh, God, yeah. Not to mention collecting Beanie Babies. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so to end this horribly creepy story, Tansler died in 1952, found inside his home, still a creep with a life-size doll of Elena crafted from her death mask. With a
0: broken
2: heart. Mm. Owner of a lonely heart. Oh Whoa. yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's Carl just Tansler. as unsettling as the first time I heard yeah. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get old, doesn't Noah get old. No, it sure doesn't. <laughs> I mean,
0: they only mentioned the doll, but did they mention the sock puppet, the <laughs> oven mitt, the socks?
2: Oh, yeah. You <laughs> probably looked, had a mess. All,
0: all in her likeness.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Hug my toes, my love.
2: Did
1: they mention the mask that he puts on himself and he tucks his penis behind like a sexy woman?
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Gets
1: all fucking, um, yeah. (laughs) Gets all Buffalo bill with it. Buffalo bill on it. Oh yeah. yeah.
2: Mm. Well, yeah, that's a hell of a story. That was fun.
1: Yeah.
0: There's (laughs) always some creepy tales. Those
1: are some creepy guys, man.
0: (laughs) I just hope, I just hope that, um, no matter how lovely of a gesture, Nobody exudes my body and inserts a tube into it and Muppet baby has sex with my corpse like just flopping <laughs> around like I'm sure that doesn't baby. happen. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, man, Pers-
0: personal finger puppet of somebody just mm. cremation, you know, yeah, exactly.
2: that's, that's the key.
1: <laughs> you know it's 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 like because it's yeah. comical, but then I think when you try to actually imagine like oh, the scene, incredible. it would Arratus. probably be like f- so scary. Like it's, it's it just, horrific. Yeah, it re- it really is horrific. I it know it reminds we me of that movie of it, but...
2: Maniac a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I never yeah. saw
2: that one. It's re- It's it's one of those like intense '80s horrors.
0: Yeah, I think that ship has sailed for me. I don't think I can watch that one. Yeah, but unless I'm with you brutal. and we're. Being silly and it's on. We're <laughs>
2: yeah. its own. I mean, We're the guys are cooking. It's brutal. Yeah, I actually, I don't. It's one of those ones that are, are on that li- that list of most fucked up horror movies ever. Mm. It usually yeah. peeks through on there now and yeah. Out again.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty pretty brutal one. Yeah, for sure.
0: I, uh, I so watch it reckon- tonight, audience. <laughs> yeah I will, and I highly recommend that episode of autopsy about this that that show was so good,
1: yeah autopsy was a really cool show
2: yeah Ugh. well that was it was uh, i it was fun in its own weird way
1: <laughs> yeah it really was yeah it was I, I had a lot of fun with this one,
2: yeah me too <laughs> yeah
1: and you yeah, actually you can look up uh, pictures i think of both these
2: yeah we'll um, post people them and events sh- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Denver Spider-Man's yep. got some photos.
0: <laughs> well, you know, take those self-defense classes, get that pepper spray, get that taser. Mhm. Mhm.
2: Lock your windows, lock your doors.
1: Chastity belt. Mhm.
0: And remember, sometimes uh just just scaring them helps cuz they're they're scared too, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're more afraid of you than you are of them. Yeah,
0: exactly. Usually, <laughs> it's like a sometimes snake now.
1: or it's like a spider. I don't know. <laughs> Whack it <laughs> with the newspaper.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Especially the Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> if, only, if only that fellow had had a newspaper. I handy.
2: know.
0: You it fall asleep on your alive. couch,
2: have the fire poker in your hand. Mm-hmm. That's right, mm-hmm. Heather. That's
1: right. Well, I guess we should do socials.
2: Yes. So you can follow us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod, TikTok, which, you know, we'll We'll get get there. Under the Pendulum. And you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods.
1: And we do emphasize the almost. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) And then you can find me, Heather. Heather. Mm. On Facebook, Heather Thomas, Instagram, h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas, and you can hear my narrations on creepy, tales to terrify, and chilling tales for Dark Nights.
1: Uh, yeah, bitch.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, you can find me on Facebook at, or if searching for Christopher Weber, mm-hmm. and Instagram at weber 13 v God, f- social media. <laughs> I know Am I showing so. my age? I don't know.
0: Maybe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Me too. I only got one, and it's a uh, Instagram frothy star
1: Nice. Woo. Yes, Keeping we it made strong. it
0: through. Uh, we, we did, did it. it. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back with another episode. Um, make sure you lock your doors and check your attics.
0: That's right.
1: And we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time. Bye. Be careful now. <laughs>